So hello, this is Roger Bisbee from Skill Builder, and we're back with another one of our interviews. We've got another one. Today is Damien Wallace from Safeguard Europe. I hope you don't mind me describing you as a leading industry expert, Damien, but I've been on your training course. And, uh, <laughs> well, rather well flattered. <laughs> well, it is. I've got to say, you know, I've been on a lot of training courses over my career with um, Professional Builder Magazine in particular, and I've got to say that your mm. training course is one of the best I've been on. There's nothing like actually getting to grips with the products themselves and sort of seeing them installed and kind of working out how they're used. Although many of our products are relatively simple to install. So kind of, you know, most kind of competent builders have got a good a good grasp of how they can be installed, you know, suitably, uh, but yeah. with the right sort of steering and knowledge towards the right sort of use. Yeah. I think the main thing that I, I kind of got from your course was about the analysis of a situation. In other words, you go into a building, somebody's got a damp issue, and it's a question of just working your way through a few of the options to try and narrow down what the cause is, yeah? Yeah, very much. You're, you're right, sort of hitting the nail on the head. The, the biggest thing uh, from it all is always kind of like uh, analysis and understanding of the source is, because it could be more than one source of, a, of an issue, you know, understanding where the problem is, what you're actually looking at. Often too many people are kind of drawn into uh, contact with a customer because the customer's been online. They've done their own bit of research and they tell yeah. the builder what they want to use and how they need it treated. And actually the contractor's got to go with an open mind really and see what he can see before he engages in the works. That's interesting you should talk about an open mind because um, Bertrand Russell once said you can be so open-minded that your brains fall out. And I think there's some evidence of that <laughs> when we when we look at the the stuff we get or the comments we get on inter, on the internet and there seems to be this whole situation that's arisen around the rising damp in particular I would say let's talk about rising damp and yeah. we get, we yeah. get comments okay. from people saying rising damp doesn't exist rising damp is an invention it yeah. was invented in 1965 how come the rest of the world doesn't yeah. get rising damp? Now, it's interesting. You said to me that you were shipping your products all around the world and, and as a big demand for them. So yeah. obviously we're not the only country in the world that gets damp, rising damp. Rising damp. I mean, let's dig in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get <laughs> there. Obviously, uh, this is the bit uh, I'm really trying to get to, the nub, you know. Rising damp is, um, is a subject and then there is the kind of the, the sort of the physical and chemical processes that happen, which are yeah. kind of fact capillary action. Yeah. So the movement of moisture through uh, building material structure, usually sand form, so mortar courses, concretes, renders, etc., bricks, um, which contain a certain amount of silicon content, which are you know, in the form of sand, uh, yeah. bound together by a paste. Uh, when that paste uh, loses its water content it leaves a tiny network of kind of capillary holes which some are dead end some are linked rather random yeah um, but what happens is the the moisture is attracted uh, by a process called hydrogen bonding so the hydrogen molecules are attracted onto the surface of the of the sand content and they cause a kind of a capillary attraction much like a surface tension process you know yeah, yeah. Um, there's a whole scientific angle there involving something called Durin's Law, which I'll avoid. <laughs> I'll look it uh, up. Uh, uh, Durin's Law, J-U-R-I-N-S. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm really but it, which works nicely in lab kind of capillary tubes and all that kind of thing. But uh, in masonry, it's a different kind of structure. But effectively, moisture is drawn up uh, by attraction onto those kind of silica faces of the, of the sand grains. 
so you do get a movement of moisture through the wall. So that deals with dampness. Uh, and second to that, of course, is that often that water will bring up uh, mineral salts with it yeah. from the ground. Yeah. yeah, And that's usually in the sort of the three forms of kind of uh, sulfates, uh, chlorides yeah. and nitrates. Generally speaking, the sulfates are the ones which will kind of, as they um, move through the wall, they're at a point of evaporation where they kind of, the moisture evaporates onto the surface and it leaves behind the salt crystals on the surface. Yeah. And yeah. that's what usually causes disruption into paint and plaster, etc. cetera. Um, what is also a little bit trickier as well is that with the chloride and nitrate salts is that they can often uh, be uh, brought through into the mortar and the, sorry, through the mortar into the render and the plaster, which yeah. we can obviously remove as required, but they can also stay resident within the wall itself. So obviously that is something that we need to consider when we kind of looking at treatment of damp. And that's where the importance of replastering comes in. So the, the physical process of rising damp, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. certainly exists. Um, I think yeah. what's tricky, obviously, is that um, that is all based on the fact that a wall is built in direct contact with, with the ground without a damp-proof course. And obviously, mm -hmm. most buildings have damp-proof courses of a certain period. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's where there can be a bit of misunderstanding and that's where we get into the subject of bridging. So high ground levels, rubble infill and cavity walls yeah. and such. So yeah. the, the actual process of rising damp exists, <laughs> yeah. but I think the industry itself has got a bad reputation um, because of misdiagnosis, uh, bad surveys, and yeah, you know, probably people out there to make a quick buck as well, you know. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, this, this idea that it's only the British that have rising damp and that they don't put damp proof courses uh, in buildings abroad. I just I, I'm, I think those people that think that have never been abroad. That's all I can say. You know, we export into at least 18 different countries where and we have a number of certificates um, for other countries where we've had to perhaps produce uh, an equivalent to the BBA certificate. Yeah. Uh, in other countries, because they have Germany, for example, the WTA test is quite yeah. a strict, uh, as you would imagine, mm. German building, German mm. engineering, <laughs> quite a strict test to, pass to um, yeah. be able to kind of Vorsprung Dirk Technik and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's recognised in other countries that there is an issue with dampness in buildings, yeah. um, you know, and they have their own test certificates in place to kind of you know, make sure that products that uh, we get into their country are kind of, you know, compliant with those tests as well. So okay. it's kind of generally recognised. So yeah. if we accept for the sake of this argument, um, if it is an argument, if we accept for the sake of this argument that there is such a thing <laughs> as rising damp, the next people thing that people are going to throw at us is you don't need to do anything about it. All you need to do is hack off all your plaster, get rid of all your plastic paints, and open the windows and ventilate the place, yeah? Now, the problem I've got with that, I don't know what you think, and maybe I ought to ask you what you think first, but uh, I, the, the problem I've got with that is that these buildings that they're talking about, sand and lime construction, buildings built mm. without damp-proof courses, were built, say, before in the 1800s or whatever, and then damp-proof courses started to come in in a big way at, at early 1900s and so on yeah and yeah. my house being 1906 that's got a damp proof course slate which is very effective doing a job but prior to mm. that we had nine inch walls solid walls without cavities we had no damp proof courses but we had open fires in every room so 
it, even though there was damp coming through the plaster and we had lime plaster then, admittedly, there was damp coming through the plaster. It was being sucked, if you like, as it evaporated into the room. It was being sucked into the room by this constant draft you've got from the chimneys. Mm. Even in the summer, you've got a draft from the chimneys. And a lot of it was just disappearing up the chimneys. So people didn't necessarily notice it. It was a gradual evaporation. But, of course, people don't want to live in situations like that. They don't want to have an open fire in every room. They want central heating. They want to stop the drafts. And yeah. they want a fairly civilised, you know, modern lifestyle. So as soon as you do that, you've got this problem. But people's solution to it is a Victorian. It's almost like saying, go back to the Stone Age. You know, you've got a modern problem. The, the way to solve it is to go yeah. back to the old way of living, which is crazy because that's not how people yeah. want to live. So we have to find a way of solving it. And your your chemical injection, I think, is a way of solving it. But people say, no, it doesn't work. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, this is something that uh, we come across quite regularly with, with people like SPAB, uh, yeah. Society of Protection of Ancient Buildings, uh, Heritage England, etc., where there is a concern because, yeah, you're right. Obviously, people lived in those conditions. They recognise the effects of damp on yeah. people's health, you know, yeah. <laughs> and would yeah. kind of recommend, you know, so there was kind of that, that kind of post-industrial revolution where they were kind of recognising the effects of dampness, much like we do now, rather, uh, with condensation and black mould. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, because we have locked our buildings up tightly. <laughs> now yeah. we're getting health issues relating to black mould. So, um, you know, th there is this kind of notion that that we should be improving builders, even back then when they were building them, because they weren't always using great bricks and they weren't, you know, yeah. and there would be a lot of salt contamination. Put, you know, they were yeah. kind of built quickly, uh, yeah. but they've just lasted a long time. Um, so you, you're quite correct, you know, in sort of, modern conditions we want double glazed windows we want airtight properties we want insulated properties uh, and it has an effect on the structure um but i think there is also um a fear with many of the kind of the heritage people that there is a sort of what's the long-term effect of using things like chemical dpcs on structures um but equal to that is well what about the people that are living in these buildings <laughs> You know, yeah. they don't want to be put with damp walls, with kind of plaster peeling off, you know, and yeah, all the yeah. other associated conditions. So we have this thing we want to preserve the buildings, but we don't want to preserve the people in them. We're not worried about that. So long as the building, <laughs> I mean, I've dealt with these guys in the yeah, past. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We've worked on listed buildings and so on. So mm. everything's got to be replaced like with like. I'm thinking, well, if it didn't work in the yeah, first place, absolutely, why are yeah. we putting it back? Why aren't we using modern technology yeah. to try and improve those buildings, you know? Because yeah, improve, but sympathetically. I think yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. As, yeah. as sympathetically as possible, but how sympathetic is putting a radiator on the wall in a modern, sorry, in an old house? Mm. You know, if you've got a house that's 200 yeah. years old and you stick a boiler on the wall and you stick radiators on it, mm. that's not sympathetic, is it? That's that's not keeping no, the no. of the building. But people are quite willing to do that. They're quite willing to say, well, look, yeah. we, want, we want a television. We want hot water, aerial on the roof, yeah. absolutely. So so yeah. it's an insane kind of logic to me, but, but people do get very, very, you know, we talk about these people who, you know, make jumpers out their big clippings and all the rest of it, you know, the, the, those heritage <laughs> guys that you know, and, and, and they are a certain yes, type yeah, of person, yeah. but undoubtedly without maligning anybody unduly. Yeah. Although I've already done it. No. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but they are a certain type of person. And sometimes I think, oh, for goodness sake, give us a break. You know, plastic paints. Yeah, but, we know yeah. about plastic paints, but but they work. No, I, anyway. I, 
I, th- I think you are you are kind of right that there, there needs to be a kind of a meeting of minds really somewhere yeah. down the middle where yeah. where a compromise can be achieved uh yeah. and every every structure is going to be slightly different you know whether it's nine inch solid wall 18 inch cobbed stone you know it's it, yeah. there's going to be differences you know um yeah. but it is just trying to be a bit and not shut doors i think you know mm. to each other's uh, um, you know um, opinions and understanding yeah I think that's 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 true, and I, I I've got to say I'm guilty of that to some extent because I because I kind of people get polarised, you know, because I've heard all these things like there's no such thing mm. as rising damp, which I know is patently untrue. Mm. I tend to then go to the extreme camp on the other end, and I'm I'm fighting this this battle, which probably doesn't need mm. to be. But most people, most sensible people, are somewhere in the middle, and I need to move more. Yeah. Into that. Your ground. So, what can we do if we find that we've got damp coming up through the ground? As you say, it's drawing salts up from the ground. What is your solution? I think the the first thing anyone should be doing really is um, going to uh, somebody can give them a proper survey. Um, yeah. By which I mean someone with kind of um, the necessary qualifications, um, and if you intend for them to carry out any work then make sure they're in a position to offer you any kind of guarantees on the work. I think that's always a good idea. Um, Having said that, I mean, some damp issues can be solved relatively quickly. Um, A good surveyor, whether they're an independent surveyor uh, or a surveyor for um, a reputable damp company, shall we say, for want of a better word, a damp company, um, they would be able to kind of tell you the the good cut. And they are out there. They are there. And they proudly wave their flag where they'll say, Went to a site visit today, did a survey. Customer suspected rising damp was told so by, you know, Dave down the pub. Yeah. <laughs> they come down. They said actually, what we determined was condensation um, and um, a reaction with some, you know, some salts or something. You know, minimal work required. In fact, all we recommended was to kind of, you know, promote better ventilation and, you know, uh, and the job was very low cost as yeah. opposed to the. Um, scrupulous ones which might come along the two you've got rising damp because they've waved one of these type of things around the room oh, yeah. the moisture yeah. meter and they've yeah. just hold jabbed that, it in the wall randomly hold that up for us so we can see it um okay that, that looks like yeah, a this, this particular one uh, yeah. this is a protometer survey master yeah um so this is quite handy but beware the charlatans that rub it, you know, just throw it and jab it in the wall randomly. Um, You do need to use these kind of in a considered way and they'll take moisture meter readings off the surface of the wall. Um, They use a a pad at the subsurface so you can get a, and I say any of the moisture level underneath the surface of the wall. Uh, And to a further extent, they also have some probes uh, which attach um, into the wall. So this will attach to the to the meter. Yeah. <laughs> Use them carefully, uh, and these will be sort of inserted into drilled holes into the wall, so we can take a reading of the actual moisture that's in the masonry itself, as opposed so, to on the surface. So if you've got a higher moisture reading on the surface, you might say that suggests condensation. If you get a higher exactly. moisture reading yeah. in the middle of the wall, you go that's going to be a rising damp issue. Yeah. Or or even it, a penetrating damp issue, yeah? Quite, yeah, quite possibly. So, yeah. I mean, the, these things are great, but all too often I've seen them, you know, we just randomly jab them into a wall and kind of take yeah. them, you know, scratch your teeth and suck through yeah, your yeah. teeth, go, I'm going to have to rip all this plaster off, inject, and it's going to cost you five grand. And yeah. um, I think that's where the 
the downside of the industry, you know, that's where the kind of the, the Charlottes are out there kind of making money out of people where work is needed. But the good contractors will, as you said at the beginning, what do we do when we've got done this? Establish what's happening with a good survey. Um, and the good contractors will carry out the survey until you don't need work if you don't need work. Um, or engage the services of an independent uh, surveyor. Uh, and they will be able to kind of give you uh, a good understanding of what the situation should be. So you're not wasting your money, you know, getting your chimney repointed if it's nothing to do with that, you know, getting your, you know, your, your whole house repointed because you've got a bit of damp, which is actually condensation, you know. So yeah, yeah. understanding the issues, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, that, that's the big thing. I was going to have some kind of structure to this conversation, but every time you mention something, it triggers something else in me. And one of those things is that <laughs> so many, this is the problem, isn't it? It's, it's a sort of stream of consciousness conversation. But I remember yeah. going to so many houses where people have got a damp chimney breast in the bedroom and mm. you know, they're baffled as to why that's happening. And, and obviously now what we try to do is we try to put a damp proof course in the chimney, don't we? Just above mm. roof level, exactly, yeah. actually build in. And back in the old days, it was a lead one that they built yeah. in. But now, obviously, modern materials. But you're building a damp-proof course in the chimney, which mm. in some ways that's a slightly worrying thing because when you, I've been up to many chimneys where you can rock them. You can <laughs> just, you know, hit them and just make them rock. And obviously, if you've got a damp-proof course around there, that's a natural break point for the chimney. If yeah, you like. slip plane, isn't where, it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of goes, oh, I don't know about this really. But I have had mm. success with just going up to chimneys and putting storm dry on them, just painting them with one coat of storm dry all the way round. Yeah. And, yeah. and it solved the problem almost within days. But other times yeah. I would do that and it hasn't solved the problem. Then I start thinking it's about the soot inside the chimney drawing moisture. Yeah. The chimney. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're not going to use a chimney, definitely get it swept. Mm. Definitely before yeah. you close it up and do away with the fireplace, sweep it, but also ventilate it. Also keep some form of yeah. yeah absolutely right? yeah Cap yeah capping chimneys making sure they're well pointed well leaded uh, um all, all the kind of the the standard stuff that you would do uh as good practice with uh you know a chimney and obviously making sure that your mortar courses are sympathetic to the structure if it's an older building as it's got a chimney it probably is um mm. you know make sure that you're not putting in you know too high a cement content mortar because yeah. um, often we see that as well, where kind of the, the strength of the mortar is stronger than the actual masonry yeah. itself, and that causes yeah. issue itself. Yeah. Um, the BRE good repair guides are a good reference point for yeah. that kind of uh, yeah. that kind of work. Um, but yeah, once that work's been carried out, uh, you can then kind of uh, protect your sterling efforts with a good coat of storm dryer. Uh, and then, you know, as we've got sort of attestation for all, um, with BBA certification, 25 up to 25 years life performance from from that as a, a, a masonry waterproofing on top. Yeah. Um, but you are you right inject, as well. Would you inject the, the mortar course with uh, and put in? Putting any we, dry rods or not? Would that help? Uh, maybe not necessarily dry rods. I think the, the dry zone might be a better option. So I think it gives you scope for kind of once you've drilled and injected, it gives you scope to kind of uh, inject mortar back in if you, you were to do so to oh, you know, okay. provide some stability. I understand. Um, so yeah, put, the cream in, put the cream in yeah. as opposed to the rods, yeah? Yeah, I think that and might be And then just hope that kind of leaches out around the mortar course, yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, that that will spread through that same kind of capillary route um, due to the silane content in it. That will spread it through the mortar course, just it would on a on a ground level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then really, uh, the other thing you mentioned as well, of course, was the salts. Uh, yeah. And I mentioned before about hygroscopic salts. Yeah. Uh, chimney breasts and the alcoves around them, uh, and obviously stacks well. Uh, and that's because cause of the burning of natural f- fossil fuels, et cetera, lots yeah. of nitrates and, uh, and chlorides. And so we often find that there is an issue with hygroscopic salt um, in, in those issues. So by hygroscopic, uh, it means it attracts moisture uh, from the air, essentially. Yeah. So if you've, and this is why we say to people as well, be careful when you are, Uh, doing any pointing or kind of re-rendering that you use a good sharp washed sand um, to take the salts out of it the salts can actually so what you occasionally get is that somebody might have done a job uh, where they've kind of done their replastering on a damp job hacked it off Mm -hmm. replastered to that one meter above dpc is absolutely fine but they still get dampness uh, above that level Uh, and that is kind of where perhaps the original what's perhaps not happened is a proper survey has been carried out. There's not detected this hygroscopic salts. And so the opportunity for moisture in the air to uh, be attracted to the wall by these hygroscopic salts still occurs. So you still get damp that's appearing, even though you've carried out your damp work. So just careful areas sort of like other side of chimney fireplaces and the chimney breast itself. Um, You know, you are likely to get hygroscopic action there, in which case it may be better to go to full height, uh, you know, up to the ceiling if you're going to replaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did. I was talking to a damp proof contractor a few weeks ago, and he was of mm. the opinion that there are salts in the air, and that when you get condensation landing on a wall, it deposits those salts on the wall, and then the salts are causing more moisture to be attracted to it. And I kind of didn't believe Ooh. that. I thought that's something. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not sure I've heard that explanation. No. I mean, it's certainly. I suppose if you live very, very close to the sea, <laughs> yeah, that, you, you might get some time. spray that would deposit yeah, into the yeah. and a high salt into the I don't know gable end of an exposed wall or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I think notice, more often than not. Sorry, go on. So I say more often than not, it's the salt content within the actual building structure itself yeah, yeah. that's the issues, and that's what attracts moisture content from from the like high humidity, and often you'll get. Um, this is where, again, the, the survey is quite important because often what we find is people report that it gets damp when it's raining. So there is a certain amount of humidity in the air, of course. So yeah. they associate it with, is it a leak? Is it something to do with the roof? Mm. Um, you know, when actually it's it's high humidity in the air itself that is reacting. So oh, yeah. Yeah. get yourself a little humidity detector, this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> are they cheap? Uh, How much are uh, they? Would it, well, this one's very cheap, so I nicked it from work, this one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's plenty out there that you can order online, and it just gives you um, uh, kind of, you know, a way of kind of measuring the humidity. And you're just over my shoulder here because I've got a few plants. So it helps yeah. me keep an eye on humidity for those, but also very yeah. handy for, you know, um, keeping an eye on the humidity levels in your own property, you know. And what would we be so, looking at for a kind of ideal level, if you like? I mean, without getting too sort of fixated on it. And, and yeah, I think, I think the optimum is about 60% relative humidity and about 20 degrees sort of, you know, um, you know sort of air temperature, really. Okay, yeah, um, because obviously as the air temperature, yeah, as the air temperature goes up, the humidity would rise as well, wouldn't it? Because warm 
warm air will hold more moisture than cold air, yeah? So Yeah, that's great, yeah. So yeah. you've always got to know those two figures. You've got to know the temperature and yeah. the humidity, relative humidity, yeah. as they call it, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's useful I mean, for a lot of people because if they've got what they they're not sure whether it's a condensation problem, and I, I'm, I'll tell you, we're getting this mm. all the time now. Obviously, every so often I forward one to you to have a look at, but we're, we're getting yeah. these on Ask Skill Builder almost on a daily basis. People sending us videos and and photographs of their damp problems, and mm. a lot of the time I'm looking straight away. I'm seeing PVC windows, double glazing, the whole thing's sealed up and black mold in the corner <laughs> yeah immediately i'm yeah. saying to him i think it's yeah. but there's almost like they they don't want to believe that because that means they've got to do something like open the window you know, and lose their head, yeah you know. yeah yeah i think very much uh condensation um by the way we do have some excellent um webinars available that we've been doing sort of week to week on a tuesday one of them is uh condensation where one of my colleagues from the lab goes into a great amount of detail on the condensation if you are interested um really? yeah, I, yeah. but um yeah tuesday lunch times usually are but um yeah absolutely i think the the subject of condensation over the years when i was back in the sales office if i found one of my contractors up and said i was a condensation job Nah, not interested. These oh, really? days, they are all over it because uh, there's much more a range of um, products available. Um, not only kind of things like biocidal treatments, you know, sort of mold eliminators, uh, biocidal yeah. paints, um, yeah. anti-condensation paints that we supply with tiny little glass visit just to create a warmer surface temperature. Oh, right. um, there is internal wall insulation panels which can be used um, in you know solid wall structure, yeah. for example, our storm dry EP board or ultra therm insulation panels, where you can run a sort of a plaster skim over the top of it. Well, you know, backing coat and then plaster yeah. skim over the top yeah. of it. And it's just in situations where you can't put cavity wall insulation on. Uh, external wall insulation might be a bit clunky or, or unwelcome or just you know sort of unfeasible. Uh, there is these internal options as well as, of course, uh, things like a whole plethora of kind of um, Humidistat fans, extractor fans, uh, positive input ventilation systems, whole house systems, which move airflow, create air exchange around a property. So there's a heaps of stuff now that contractors can kind of turn to to kind of uh, solve problems uh, and also earn a bit of money in the process as well. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, the customer gets it sold, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because obviously what you're talking about with the interior, well, it doesn't matter which way you go, you know, external or or interior insulation, but whatever you're going to do mm. there, you're obviously warming up the surface of the wall slightly, and that's yep. great, but you've still got that moisture in the house floating around, mm. so it's looking for its next best opportunity, isn't it? That may be in the exactly, back of the yeah. wardrobe, yeah. that may be somewhere else. So, so people are they, yeah. kind yeah. of chasing the, the condensation, the moisture around the house a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what I, I say to people is, first of all, first of all, think about getting rid of the moisture and of course what yeah. i would say is that for a lot of people who are struggling to heat their homes and let's face it you know a few mm. weeks ago when it was really yeah. cold, 
Nobody wanted to open a window. Nobody wanted to lose anything. Yeah, absolutely. All their money heating their house. And if you go to, mm-hmm. to some old lady who's living on a state pension and you say to her, well, what you've got to do is you've got to put an extractor fan in here, open a few windows, get rid of it. And she's going, you're joking. I'm freezing to death. Here. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. So yeah. you are, you are kind of stuck, aren't you? And as I say, it's, you know, it's the poor that suffer, if you like. You know, rich people can afford to you know, just have the heating full on. Have a bit yeah, of certainly, yeah. my yeah. kids certainly don't worry about the heating bills they um <laughs> <laughs> they leave the radio on for the radiator on full blast and if it's a bit hot they open the window yeah. so i'll go oh, you know. yeah but anyway that's uh they, once they get <laughs> their own they but, change. no you are i mean i mean condensation um is quite an emotional subject for a lot of people because yeah. you know and in fact there are um, there's a specialist consultant lady, a uh, mould tutor, uh, and her job is very much kind of um, liaising between people like um, tenants and housing associations, yes, for example, yes, or local yes. authorities where, you know, these guys might have gone back and forth to the same place every winter, the same issues. They do the anti-mould paint, they put a fan in, but the fan gets switched off at the fuse spur. Absolutely, and yeah. and they they're just spending money every winter, and it's just ticking budget boxes. It's you know the work is being done, but never to satisfaction, never to completion. Of course, yeah. even if they did that, if that person moves out and another uh, family moves in, for example, and they have a different lifestyle um, behaviour, then the yeah. problem might not even happen. You know, it, it does. Ch- it is really very much down to the inhabitants of the building as much as the building itself. And I think that's why it's so hard to nail a, a solution, a one-stop solution for condensation. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you can stop capillary moisture, you can stop penetrating damp into the structure, but with condensation, there's a, a whole bunch of factors that you've got to kind of adjust mm-hmm. to get the, the right sort of balance, I think, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, I, I, you know, first of all, just say stop drying your washing on the radiators. You know, that's the first thing. But, of course, yeah. if you're a, a mother with a couple of kids, two or three kids, yeah. and it's pouring with rain outside, you haven't got a tumble dryer, and the kids yeah, got to you're a third school. floor. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to yeah. do? You know, you can't exactly, hang it all out the window. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. it's really, really tough. I, I would yeah. say that. You know, and, um, I, I mean, I, I would say that um, a lot of the time the interest we get uh, when we kind of do these webinars or any kind of training to do with uh, the subject of conversation is from people at housing associations um, or, you know, local authorities where they are looking for other solutions almost on a yearly basis. Come September, run up to October, you know, we get interest from people. Can you, you know, in the old days when we could go and do a presentation at their offices, we would do that, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. now they sign up for our webinars and, yeah. you know, it, because they just, they're looking for solutions because obviously I think they understand that they are back and forth at the same place every winter, you know, another yeah, splash yeah. of anti-mole paint and it's, it's, uh, it's never quite nailed. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because the, there's obviously this war again. We got this polarization, if you like. We got the tenant mm. on one end saying it's the landlord's fault. This is disgusting. I shouldn't have to live yeah, in this yeah. squalid, you know, this squalid flat. And the landlord's going, mm-hmm. well, for goodness sake, you know, we've tried this, we've tried that, yeah. and you're switching the yeah. fans off, or you're you're drying your washing on the rads, or whatever it is. So, yeah. so those that again, what we spoke about at the beginning, that meeting of minds, finding the middle yeah. ground, and saying exactly, you, yeah. You say this yeah. friend, or this person you know is an a, a, an arbitrator, basically. They're, they're, yeah, I think her name's uh, Tanya Eldridge. I think her name is really? yeah, mold tutor. 
Lovely lady. Who would, <laughs> who would have thought there was such a job? Well, I've just found a niche in the market. It's, it it's great, really, isn't it? <laughs> Mold shooter, Where there's a it. need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, but you, you are absolutely right. I think, you know, there, there's legislation out there. Back in 2019, we had the Homes Fitness Habitation Act, um, where there was uh, landlords are on notice to, yeah. you know, so obviously properties have to be of a certain condition before they can be lent out to you know we've got things like epc ratings as well you know i mean i rent a place out i've had to go through this this last summer to get the place ready to go out again um you know so making sure that you have a energy performance certificate of a you know um grade e before it can be rented out so there are there are kind of legal obligations for landlords to be on notice to make sure the properties are up to standard uh but equally, realistically, there are also issues with tenants <laughs> yeah, uh, and how, how they live in that property. So you can have it up to standard, but if people are kind of, you know, I mean, I've heard horror stories of people rolling out tumble dryers into the hallway of a flat and taking the vent off mm. so that it warms the flat up. Yeah. But then wondering why they've got black mould all over the walls yeah. the windows yeah. are all steamed up, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it very much is lovely- about... You get a lovely fug up when you take oh, the wind yeah. off of a tumble yeah. drive. It's not oh, it's like being in the tropics, isn't it? You isn't know? it? Yeah, Caribbean <laughs> holiday in, in Peckham. <laughs> I think, but, I'm going to say one of. I know you've seen loads and loads of damp, and everybody's damp story is more interesting yeah. to them than it is to the rest of the world. But I'm going to tell you mine, just for the risk of boring you even more. But, <laughs> um, I went to a house in Slough. And they had an internal bathroom. These were new build places. They were 20 years old Mm. or whatever. And they had an internal bathroom with no windows. And they had a good extractor fan in there. And when I went in there, the whole bathroom was absolutely black. You know, the mold Mm. was just out, you know, off the scale. I've never seen anything like it. You know, you think it's always been painted black. And I thought, well, this extractor fan's working, and I got a bit of loo paper, and I held it over the extractor fan, and it sucked it up, and I thought, this is good. And I said to them, yeah. you, you know, you always have this on? Yeah, yeah, we always have this on. You can't see in the room unless you put the light on, yeah. and it activates a fan. So I thought, well, they're doing everything right. And I said, do you yeah. leave it on afterwards, you know, when you come out? Yeah, yeah, we leave it running for a while. And, yeah, it wasn't doing the job. And what I came up with in the end is that they needed to leave the bathroom door open because – it was starved of air. There was no yeah, replacement yeah. air going in there. So the extractor mm. fan was working really hard, but without mm. some air coming into the room, nothing. Yeah, so I know the it was just stagnating say, in the space. Exactly, it? Yeah. yeah, it was sucking on a vacuum. So I said to them, you know, the, the best mm. thing to do, we could draw, saw a little bit off the bottom of your bathroom door to get some air mm. But, of course, then that presupposes that the rest of the house has got replacement air, that that's not all sealed mm. up totally. But yeah. it, is, it yeah. is this problem, isn't it, this balance that you need to have some air coming exactly, in yeah. when you pull yeah. the air out. You know, you've got to replace it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the, the other thing, Mr. Will, was that they all kind of, when the light comes on, the fan goes on. And mm. some of these kind of cheaper fans will have a very short run-on time after the lights, yeah. you know, you turn the light can, off and it will run. You adjust them. But, Yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah. it's just like, is it sufficient to the space? And like sure, you say, yeah. you know, if it's very, yeah. it's very small, then yeah, it's yeah. like I say, it's, it's like a non-vacuum. There's no way for it to to kind of yeah. go, really, is it? So, right. um, but yeah. And also, if the room's cold, the the this, the moisture, the steam, if you like, condenses on the walls before the extractor fan can pull it away. And once it's mm-hmm. on the walls, the extractor fan is never yeah. going to suck it off the walls and out the, exactly, the room. Exactly. Yeah. It? So it's a question of yeah. keeping. A reasonable temperature in the room, unfortunately, yeah. 
and then sucking it all out, warm air and 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 moisture. Yeah. And of course, what you've also got then is the issue of a lot of bathroom paints and kitchen paints are kind mm. of heavily vinyl based. Yeah. Uh, because the idea is that they stop water splashing and absorbing into the the, the plaster and the, the render behind. Yeah. Um, but obviously that then provides a film on the surface. So you get yeah. very much a kind of a beading aspect. Well, actually, really, if it did absorb a little bit, in, it would evaporate much more kind of readily, I suppose, because it's yes, not like yes. a solid bead on the surface. Good point. So yeah, think, it you know, just acts as a sponge on the wall, if you like, and then yeah. it dries out, you know, a bit of, you know. Well, like, yeah, what we call buffering for condensation. But, yeah, um, yeah. but the <laughs> problem is when it collects as a bead on the surface like that, that is effectively kind of pure distilled moisture, vapour on, on the surface of the wall. And obviously that's where uh, any biological growth, it's like a, it's a playground for them. It's Eden because uh, any other moisture that we might get from a leaking tap or penetrate damp or rise damp is it brings with it contaminants. Um, but when it's kind of distilled vapour, literally a yeah. cloud, and then yeah. forms as, as a droplet like that, it's kind of pure until it comes yeah. in contact with any kind of like biological, like the mould spores, which then yeah. will kind of grow, and then that's where we get the development of the black mould. Yeah, as so, black mould as I call it. Nobody likes that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I well, must I mean, that, say, we could go on forever. Sorry, oh, you were going to say, go on. Oh, no, no, I was going to say, I think that's the difference between condensation and mould, you know, because yeah. you don't get mould without condensation. Condensation, the process of steam, evaporate, you know, moisture vapour forming is one thing. It's the development of mould is usually the problem yeah. that people are more concerned with than anything else. But you don't get one without the other. Yeah, yeah. I, I must just mention, I, we, we could talk forever, obviously, because there's a lot to cover. We haven't looked at basements. We haven't looked at all the other things, but I think that may be one for a separate another day <laughs> video on, on amp-proofing basements. But I just must mention uh, Storm Dry because, you know, mm. you know, we have done some work with Safeguard Chemical, uh, sorry, Safeguard Europe, and we have had some sponsorship yeah. for you. So I must declare that right now. But when we did the storm dry uh, wall treatment, that, that wasn't a sponsored mm. video. That was just us giving the product to try and uh, okay. rather yeah. amazing results. But since mm. then, I've had loads and loads of people. I was with some roofers the other day who said, mate, we use that stuff. We just go up, put it around the chimney, almost instantly solves the problem. People have said yeah. to me, I yeah. had a gable end wall that was soaking wet. I used it two or three days later. It yeah. was dry. You know, they love it. They absolutely love it. It's cost an arm and a leg, let's be fair. It costs <laughs> a huge amount of money. A premium products, yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a lot of money, and it makes people just wince. They go, what, 100 quid for a tub? But there are plenty of yeah. other expensive chemicals out there, I know. Well, so, I, th I mean, I, th I think if you bear in mind, if you go and put 25 quid for off-the-shelf product, for example, but you're redoing it every couple of years Yeah. versus yeah. you pay, I don't know, say you do pay four or five times as much, but you don't have to worry about it for the next 25 years. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I've done jobs and yeah. I've never been called back on them. They've, it's solved the problem. Yeah. The customers yeah. are happy and they don't really know. You know, if you say to them, look, it's yeah. going to cost me – it's going to cost you 300 quid for me to solve this problem or have a go at solving it. They go, that's yeah. fine. You know, okay, so 100 quid of that is for the, for the tub yeah. of stuff, but who knows? So, 
Um, it, it's great. I love it. But we do get people all the time on that video coming. I say, you vandals, what have you done to that building? You've given it the kiss of death. It's trapping in the moisture. And then we did a little experiment. Well, it was demonstration <laughs> to show that it doesn't trap in the water. I've seen all the test yeah, results yeah. from the various independent laboratories that say it has an yeah. absolutely negligible effect on the yeah, yeah. evaporation of moisture. They, they say that in all yeah. the tests. But still, we get people who believe it's some kind of plastic. And when the guy said, uh, "Why are you putting PVA yeah. on the wall?" I said, "It's not PVA. <laughs> it's not PVA. <laughs> it's it's, it's um, a If it, it, if it was going to be that cheap, it would have been SBR. But because yeah. it doesn't really emulsify, PVA will massively emulsify. So that that's just an absolute yeah. no. Um, it's not a sealant. Uh, it is an emulsion. Uh, so effectively, the active ingredients, the cyanates in there, are kind of suspended in in this kind of white gloop, if you like, the, the yeah. mayonnaise that you see that goes on the wall, and yeah. that's just holding the product, the active, if you like, and which means it's a, a carrier for the active ingredients. So when it's applied across the substrate, the, yeah. the the business end of that recipe, if you like, is able to kind of absorb into the wall, uh, and the uh, and the emulsion part just sort of evaporates off and absorbs in. So um, it yeah, in no way is it a sealant in the same way it might be an acrylic or a polyester or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, I mean, we do have a product which is a kind of a hybrid paint, uh, which is effectively a combination of um, silicon and uh, a resin-based emulsion. Um, that is a, another part if you want a paint finish. But with Storm Dry, no, it's, it's completely not. In fact, we actually have um, the storm dry gauges. I don't have one on me, I'm afraid, from shame to say, but um, the little kind of tube-looking things, they look like a glass pipe, suspicious-looking glass pipe, but you seal them against the wall with a bit of mastic. You may have tried it yeah, yourself. I know. Uh, and they are for, they're called a, <clears throat> the, I think the original is sort of the, the actual name is kind of a caston or rylum tube, and they're mm. used for measuring uh, the absorption rate of water into yeah. substrates. Yeah. And we actually kind of sometimes have to use those not to sort of necessarily measure the absorption rate, but to show people that it's definitely on the wall because it's holding back the water. So yeah, normally I, you would fill this tube up and it would absorb in, but with a storm dry yeah. tube wall, it just sits there mm. doing and nothing. And then they cry and foul. And then these yeah. people that don't believe, they say, oh, you, you fixed that. That's a fake test you're doing there. <laughs> Honestly, whatever you do, people uh, always, they'll always smell yeah, in a rat, yeah. aren't they? As, as I heard once, don't feed the trolls, you know, yeah, <laughs> you are going to get well, suspicious I, I, people. <laughs> no, I, can't, I can't resist it. I spend quite a lot of time <laughs> writing great long, I, just because I can't. Oh, drive back. I can't believe that people yeah. go on to YouTube, they watch one video that says rising down to myth, and then they believe mm. that, and they go out into the world and they spread that like some event. Yeah. And you think, you know, I also believe the world, yeah. that, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, back yeah. But anyway, that's I mean, me. Uh, Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say there's, there's plenty of evidence out there that the effects of capillary moisture, shall we say, yeah. if you want to call it something that's yeah, not yeah. rising damp, the R word, that yeah. capillary moisture. And this is right back to like the Romans with Vitruvius. Yeah. Um, there's in 14th century Venice, they have a, a stone. Oh, bear with me one second. I'm just checking my pronunciation. Kim and Jack or something, which is... Uh, a stone, yeah, Kim and Jack, like a white limestone that they uh, excavate from nearby Croatia. And they use yeah. that as a kind of a line because it was it seemed to be impervious to moisture. Uh, so they use that as a... That's a damp proof course <clears throat> that they put into Venice. Yeah. 
14th really? century Venice. So there's there's lots of historical references to it. Yeah. We, um, yeah. we Roger, get people. You, Roger, you need to. You're going to need to wrap this up now because. Yeah. Okay. We're, Fine. <clears throat> yeah, we're yeah. In at 11. Okay. We're going to Hilti. All right. In a minute. Sorry. I'm going to finish this. So, so yeah, we do get people who saying, "Well, how come there's no rising damp in Venice? You know, if there was such a thing oh, as rising damp in Venice, <laughs> there is." I say, "Have you ever been to Venice? Full <laughs> of rising damp." I just say one more thing, Damien, before you go, and we will come back if if you will come back and see us again because absolutely, yeah, love it. yeah. But but just about sand and cement pointing on an old lime mortar building. I know people mm. say, "Yeah, you never ever do it." I've seen a lot of it done. Sometimes it has a detrimental effect. Other times it doesn't. And what I say is, don't. If you're going to do that, don't put too mm. much cement in it because, yeah. like you said, you've still got. If you use a plasticizer, you've still got capillary. You've still got ways mm. of the moisture escaping through that sand mm. and cement. But it, it, it the, yeah. the real problem is when you go three to one mix. And you think, oh, it's, I've got to keep the moisture out. I'll put three to one mix in it, yeah. really tight. Of course, that shrinks, cracks, and and then it traps the moisture in. But in a normal course of events, a lot of the time, it's not cement per se. It's the strength mm. of cement that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. right. Yeah. And, and the the other issue as well is um, uh, the permeability of the mortar course itself. So if you do make it too tight and too closed, um, the moisture will want to evaporate through the bricks. Uh, as yeah. well as them. so really you want it kind of wrapping out bricks and mortar and when yeah. it's starting obviously normally the mortar course would be more permeable but if you start pushing it out towards the bricks that's where you start to get spalling on the face appearing yeah. you know because yeah. it's bringing with it salts as well so so but i'm very conscious say, that we're wrapping up <laughs> yeah would you say we've got a and we, we should be using a, a national hydraulic lime say 3.5 to do the pointing with with some sand or not is that a better bet if, if it's I, an old I, line building or what? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think uh, I would probably refer to some of the, uh, like I say, the BRE repair guides that are out there that give yeah. you kind of a bit of guidance on uh, different mixes because it will also depend on the type of brick that you've got there. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so make sure that it's sympathetic to the existing yeah. masonry so that yeah. you're not kind of causing any additional issues. I think that's yeah. the main thing on it. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. But yeah, a certainly a line mix. It's great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. We've got to rush. No, to, thanks again, Watson. We've got to talk to Hilti now. So, brilliant. We'll come back to see you. Brilliant. We'll Excellent. Put some All right. On the screen where, where your your courses are available. Yeah. Okay. Especially That's great. This, especially this uh, webinar on lunchtime, Tuesday lunchtime. I'm, yeah. I'm up for that. I'm signing up for that one. Brilliant. Excellent. I don't know. Excellent. Cheers, Roger. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Thanks a lot.